there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin. I've got Brian on the phone. And this week, we're going to be talking about the 2017 French horror film, Revenge, directed and written by Coralie Farja, starring Matilda Lutz and Kevin Jensen's. Uh, we chose this movie because I saw this on a bunch of year-end lists last year. Uh, Brian, did you see that? Yeah, yeah. And it's surprising because this is actually a 2017 movie, but I, I guess it must have been distributed domestically in around 2018 or so. Yeah, I think it was even distributed in France in 2017 or in 2018 for the first time. But I think the 2017 comes from the fact that it was screened at the Toronto Film Festival in 2017. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always forget there's like a gap between uh, like that's a pretty significant gap. because I, I think it was like September 2017. It premiered in Toronto and then released, uh, you know, I think on Shutter and other streaming services around 2018, like May of 2018 or so. It's a pretty big gap. Yeah. Yeah, it was released on Shutter in September of 2018, but I think that had a small theatrical release in early 2018. Oh, I didn't realize this one hit theaters. Very, very few theaters. Yeah, that's that's interesting because um, I feel like the so the budget for this movie is around uh, you know it's pretty high budget around like three million dollars, and the box office so far is pretty small, just at like five. 500,000 or 530,000. Um, and I was thinking, you know, if, if this one had stayed in theaters, I could have seen this one being a pretty big success, drawing people in uh, as movies in this genre have before. So I'm surprised it didn't have much of a theatrical run here. Yeah, I'm surprised too. I mean, it's it would probably be pretty controversial. And I mean, this is a controversial movie in general, but in theaters it would have been even more controversial just because it would have been more people would have been aware of it so i'm yeah. not sure if that would have been good for it or not i don't know i mean yeah you're right you know more people would be aware of it but i think that also would have the, the controversy was like draws a big buzz around these things and i feel like word of mouth would have gotten around people would have like gone out and embraced it maybe or yeah you know th- talks about it more um yeah yeah i don't think i would have heard of this one if i hadn't looked at it some of those lists last year yeah yeah, and maybe we should give a quick content warning for the listeners. Uh, this is a rape revenge movie, so if you'd just rather steer clear of this kind of content, then then you can duck out now. But I don't think we'll get into too graphic of detail, but yeah, uh, a, a rape does occur in the movie. Yeah, a, a rape occurs. Um, you know, quick plot summary here. Um, this movie is about a young woman uh, who's raped and left for dead in the desert, and uh, she recovers and ends up seeking vengeance on the three attackers. Um, Brian, do you, do you know where this movie was shot or where it took place? Uh, it was. I'm not sure where it was supposed to take place, but it was shot in Morocco. Oh, wow. Yeah, some, yeah. some of the scenery was just incredible. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a, like crazy desert landscape. I, I was thinking like New Mexico or something like that. Yeah, I was thinking somewhere in Australia, but yeah, Morocco. Oh, yeah. What a guest. So th- this director, Coralie Farja, uh, I think this is her first film, and she's written the story as well, and really intending to kind of come out with this story about, uh, I think, like female empowerment and like turning the victim uh, against you know, some of these big societal issues that you know are, are coming up these days, and, and you know, having this uh, strong female character kind of fighting back. Um, did you read any more backstory about her? So I don't know much about her. I don't really know much about any of the actors either. Yeah, the only one that I thought uh, had like you know something that we might recognize is Matilda Lutz, who plays the main character here uh, as Jen. Um, she was in the remake of uh, Rings, which came out like last year or the year before. I don't I don't know if you saw that yeah. one. I did not see it. I, and then I, I think the you know one of the other guys has been in a few movies, but yeah, mo- uh, mostly a French cast here, French production. So not a lot of uh, familiar territory. Do you? How do you feel about these revenge films? I mean, I feel like a lot of times they get bucketed with horror. You have uh, things like Last House on the Left, um, A Quiet Place. You know, had elements of revenge at the end. A Cabin in the Woods, elements of revenge. I mean, what, what, what do you think? Like, do they belong in horror? 
Wait, a quiet place had elements of revenge at the end. Yeah, I mean, I you know when I think about the ending of a quiet place, and you know, I guess I don't want to give a spoiler, but you know, like revenge against monsters. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm using the term revenge wrong here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the monsters like you know killed uh, or uh, killing the family members, and the the whole act of like revenge is like turning back on your oppressor, right? And and, and kind of empowering yourself to like go after them and like get you know get retribution and so I, I feel like a lot of horror movies you know have that as, as a main element but um you know when the like i mean to, like this film i think like kill bill like these are stories like where revenge is basically like the main story and i i wonder how that fits into horror yeah i mean this one i think does fit into horror and like a lot of times so there is a specific subgenre called rape and revenge movies mm-hmm. um to you could broaden it to revenge in general i think rape and revenge definitely for the most part fits into horror sure um but then you've got like movies like three billboards is technically i saw it mentioned in rape and revenge movies whoa yeah mm-hmm. so that's not a horror movie but um especially you know that movie didn't have the rape take place yeah. during the movie it was just kind of talked about yeah. Yeah. And so I think some of them are horror just because a lot of them are ultra violent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, rape itself is horrifying. Yeah. But I don't know if that qualifies just any rape revenge movie as a horror movie. Yeah. Right. And that's where I wasn't sure, like, if the horror, uh, you know, because, yeah, this, this, I think this movie has all the elements of what you talked about. You know, it's got a very disturbing rape scene that I mean you know they don't really show but uh it's it's even almost scarier that way because you hear it in the background but then it's also very uh gruesome and pretty graphic scenes and graphic violence so kind of had yeah and there's also some like trippiness yeah some, like hallucinatory type stuff right that makes for some scary type scenes mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of psychedelic <laughs> yeah it really fit the style because I think what people are calling out and what is really um, attracting attention to this film is how like stylized uh, the the cinematography and the action sequences are. So I, I mean I think for a first time feature film direct uh, debut from this director, uh, she's put together like a really uh, great narrative and like awesome uh, visuals with it. Yeah, the cinematography is amazing, as is the music. Yeah, yeah, the music is really cool. Yeah, and actually, I was surprised the budget was only three million for how many, how much gore and practical effects and like the shooting on location. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I was surprised it wasn't more expensive. Yeah, but I mean, you have a movie that it just has like four people in it. Um, right, and none of them are. I mean, we don't know much about French cinema, yeah. modern French cinema, but I it didn't seem like any of them were big names. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess it's kind of like an indie budget indie movie. Um, yeah. a step a step up from like the, the last indie movie reviewed, which is like a college project. <laughs> yeah. Um, were you able to find any other background on this? I, I I didn't see too much. I did see that someone might have had a seizure in a theater while watching this because one of the scenes are so graphic. Did you happen to read of that? I did not see that. Oh, okay. It has to, has to do with the a gruesome scene. We'll talk about it uh, down the road. Any other background? Um. No, I was mostly, like, there's not much information on this movie online, so I got down a little bit of a rabbit hole of rape revenge movies in general. Mm-hmm. And I think the first one that's considered a rape revenge movie is from 1960 called Virgin Spring by Ingmar Bergman. Mm-hmm. It's a Swedish movie. And then there's a really prominent or notable one called I Spit on Your Grave from 1978. Oh. Have you right. heard of that one? Yeah, that, that came up while looking at this. I, I think that was like one of the bigger influences for this genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then as you mentioned, Last House on the Left. Yeah, have you seen any of those movies? I have not, no. Yeah, me either. Um, and I am curious but not excited to watch those. I know, I know. These are hard movies to stomach, and horror in general is you know, a hard genre to stomach, and then... Uh, I feel like this is just like, you know, it cuts pretty deep. 
Yeah, and I've heard that I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left are especially difficult to watch. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Last House on yeah. the Left is a fairly new one, right? That just came out a few years ago? Um, no, Last House on the Left, I think maybe they remade it recently, but it's from 1972. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking of a remake. Um, yeah, that, I think they did remake it. Yeah, yep. Um, and then I think I've mentioned this before on the show. There's a book by a woman named Carol Clover called Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's just about horror movie criticism, and I think it puts a spotlight on it from like a feminist mindset. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I actually got that movie, or that book for Christmas, so I'm excited to read it. Oh, cool. Wow, that sounds really good, actually. Yeah, but it, apparently in that book she points out that the rise of the this genre of movie was in the 70s, and it kind of coincided with rape being taken seriously as a social issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, like that started in the 70s? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I, I think like in horror, horror, horror is an interesting genre for like that issue to be talked about or, you know, be uh, g- given a platform. And, and I think moves like this really bring, uh, you know, the, the gruesomeness and the, and the horror of it to light. Uh, more so than you know some other genres. Yeah, and there are criticisms on for positive and negative. You know, some people say it's great, not great, but like this stuff happens, and it shouldn't just be like an off-screen event or a whisper in a movie. Like, if it happens, like show how horrible it is. Oh yeah, get into the graphic. And of, then, yep. yeah, and then other people say it's glorifying the act and. Um, yeah, you know, some people also say like, if you have to have a, a like badass woman in a movie, why does she have to be the victim of sexual assault first? Yeah, that's like, a good point. Get into that badass position where she's kicking ass and taking names later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, it's it's not like that is the setup for like a man in a movie, right? Like they have to be, um, you know, yeah, beaten up or something for for them to suddenly rise up as the hero. Right, like, yeah, completely stripped of their dignity first. Like, yeah, they just are the hero. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, it, it's complicated. Yeah, there, there really is. And, and so that's what, like, that book goes into, like, all those different elements? I don't know. I haven't, like, cracked it open and seen uh, exactly what's in the book. And I know she talks about much more than rape revenge movies. I think she talks a lot about slashers mm-hmm. and horror in general, but... um but yeah, I think she comes at thing from comes at things from a bit of a feminist mindset. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sh- I will be reading that in the near future, and I'm sure you'll all hear more about it. Yeah, I, I imagine there's like a lot of parallels or things that we're seeing in the movies that we're watching that that we're not picking up on that uh, kind of hit on those tones. You know, it, yeah. it makes me wonder, like a movie like Halloween, where you have Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, being attacked. And it's a slasher film. And then at the end, she kind of, you know, attacks back. Uh, is that considered like a, is that revenge? No, I don't think, I think you're taking a broad stroke with revenge. Like mm-hmm. defending yourself against something isn't necessarily revenge. But like going out In and hunting mind. it is different. Pardon? Going out and hunting it is where it, like it starts to encroach on revenge. Yeah, I think so. I think like if there's an alternate route to safety other than like going out of your way to punish somebody Mm -hmm. then it's not revenge yeah yep or it it is revenge if you're like going out of your way to punish somebody when you could escape the situation otherwise well i don't know i mean in this movie and and we'll talk about the plot like i don't know if she had an alternative um i mean it's not like she could like drive to the nearest city or something that's true that's true uh, but I, I get what you're saying. There's more intent uh, of, you know, getting, uh, of, of like, yeah, killing your oppressors versus just escaping them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she is kind of not left with many options in this movie. I still think this movie, due to the format of it, definitely qualifies as the rape revenge movie. Yeah. It's also titled Revenge. So I, like, <laughs> I can't ignore that part. <laughs> Uh, cool. Any connection to our hometown? Oh, very tangentially. Um, as we mentioned, Last House on the Left is a prominent movie in this 
subgenre, and that's from Wes Craven, who I think we've mentioned before is born in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's forget we own that one. All right. Well, uh, how about we take a quick break, and then we'll talk about the plot in our review. Sounds good. All right. I think I've got a splinter in my finger. I'm going to go dig it out. I'll be right back. (laughs) Good luck. Thanks. All right, Brian, I'm back. Did you get that splinter taken care of? Yeah, I, I smashed a mirror, I took some glass out, and then I just went to town with my finger pulling out the splinter. The whole thing's cut up now, but at least the splinter's out. Yeah, they say that's the way to do it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that was a scene in the movie uh, where yeah, one of the uh, guys steps on a piece of glass and he's like digging into his foot trying to get it out. And I think someone in the theater had a seizure during that. And that, that was a long scene. It was a long scene. There's yeah. a lot of like having to do violence to yourself to correct an injury oh, in this God. movie. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's like, Some cringy stuff. Yeah, really cringy stuff. I, I, I mean, this is, I, I want to say this is one of the more, um, I, I was going to say the most uh, graphic movie we've seen, but then I remembered uh, that movie with a clown in it. Um, Terrifier. Terrifier, yeah. I don't know. What, what do you, where would you rank this in terms of how gruesome it was? It's it's up there. I thought like graphics-wise and like special effects were pretty cool, actually. Yeah. It's, it's gross. Yeah, but... I assume everything was practical effects in terms yeah. of the gore. Yeah. Uh, all right, so so the story it's a pretty straightforward story. Uh, you know, in the beginning, we're introduced to uh, this couple who are like flying in on in a helicopter to this rural place. Uh, the woman's name's Jen. She's like this young, you know, very attractive uh, blonde, and then she's with this guy uh, named Richard, who's like, you know, he's got some cool sunglasses on, cool looking dude. Uh, they're hanging out at like this, uh, this like getaway place that's like in the middle of nowhere that you need a helicopter to get to, and apparently it's in Morocco somewhere. And um, and and then I, I think early on it sets the context like he's talking to his wife on the phone, and so you understand that like he's out there, uh, she's kind of like his mistress, and uh, he's like on this weekend getaway with her. Um, so then uh, two of his friends come in, Stan and Dimitri. And they're all going on this hunting trip, the three of them. Uh, so Jen is supposed to like head back the next day while those three stay there and, and go hunting. Um, but the, these two have shown up like a day earlier. So they all kind of party together. Um, you know, they drink, they have a good time. And uh, there are a lot of scenes of like, you know, Jen kind of portraying her as like, you know, this really, uh, you know, attractive woman who's just kind of like this uh, American kind of party girl. I think um, I see uh, her described in a lot of, of the blogs is like a socialite, which I'm not sure where they got that from. Uh, was she a socialite? I th- I don't know. She like mentioned aspirations of moving to LA to get noticed. Okay. Yeah. So she's. I feel like they're kind of typecasting her in the beginning. Uh, yeah. As, as yeah, as, as that person, and apparently she's a neighbor, which which Wikipedia called out, but I, I didn't pick that out in the movie. Of, of yeah, I don't guy. know where they got that. Yeah, was there was there a neighborhood implied or a neighbor relationship? <laughs> no, I think I think somebody messed up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the uh, the the things that happens in the beginning though is as they're getting out of the helicopter, going to their place, the helicopter pilot hands uh, Richard like some. Uh, is it called peyote? Peyote. Oh, it's peyote. Damn. Um, what, the, what that, that's like some crazy hallucinogenic drug. Yep. Um, and he gives it to her for safekeeping. She keeps it in a locket. So yeah, the, the two friends show up. There's, you know, they, they party through the night. The next morning, Richard takes off to do some passport stuff. Um, and Stan, uh, one of the, you know, friends that have arrived there, he kind of corners, uh, Jen in her room and, uh, is acting like super creepy and is like, oh, you were coming on to me last night. Uh, you know, why don't you want me anymore and all this stuff. And she's like, you know, being pretty clear that, you know, she's not interested. Uh, and then um, he, he rapes her. Uh, one of the guy for the other guy, uh, Dimitri, like, kind of comes in right as like things are getting 
you know, kind of forceful and just kind of like turns the other way, goes out and like turns on the TV. And so you don't see it. uh, You hear it kind of screaming in the background, but the other guy's just like watching TV in the other room with the volume turned up. So Yeah, and it's a pretty uncomfortable scene. Like you hear her screaming from the other room and he just turns up the volume so he can't hear it. Yeah, and the the interesting visual here where um, when he walks into the room and he like sees them like and, and he knows like what's about to happen, um, and stands like, you know, either stay in here or get out. Um, it, like the, the camera like zooms in into his mouth, like where he's chewing like a candy bar. And I feel like that was like a really cool portrayal of like the violence, um, that was like, you know, about to happen or something. Did you, did you pick up on that? Yeah, there's, you could read a lot into that. It was just like slow motion, loud crunching of his teeth, like disgustingly notched on this candy bar. Yeah. And it kind of, to me, it kind of was like zoom honing in on the fact that he's just this like waste of space sitting there just eating this crap like yeah bystander who could be doing something and it's just like like yeah just like really dumb (laughs) uh, uh, yeah dumb and like emotionless and yeah without a conscience yep yeah they were pretty cool pretty cool way of uh showing that like through that visual yeah and throughout the movie it's open Oh, open ahead. to interpretation why what they were trying to show like you said it could be you know the inherent violence but uh yeah it it worked for whatever it was for yeah it did and and i think throughout the movie uh I, I, this director i think i think she does like great a great job of like just zooming in on things that like you wouldn't you know necessarily pay attention to and it, it kind of like implies things or like foreshadows or puts like this kind of fear or uncomfort in uh you know in the viewer which i, I thought was a yeah. cool way to do that mm mm-hmm. mhm um, so yeah, then Richard comes home and I think the viewer is kind of wondering like, how's this guy going to react? He's going to be pissed at like his, you know, two friends, like, you know, one, one Rachel or the other one didn't do anything. How's he going to react? And, um, surprisingly, like, you know, he walks in and first he's like, uh, trying to con- like, I think he's, you know, upset when, when, uh, Stan like tells him like, oh, you know, something bad happened. I did this thing. But then the next scene you see is like, he goes inside and he's talking to Jen, who's like traumatized lying on the bed. Um, you know, obviously uh, you know, hurt, scared, um, angry. And he like comes in and you kind of think he's going to calm her, like, you know, try to, um, you know, protect her, but he, uh, offers her money and is like, I'm going to fly you to Canada and you can never like tell anyone about this, but I'm going to give you a bunch of money. And she's just like, you know, we got to get out of here now. Um, I'm, you know, she's like you know, pissed and, uh, and she, he's like, no, you can't go to LA. You're gonna have to go to Canada. And she's like, what? I'll tell your wife. And then he slaps her. Um, and then I think at this point, like she like just takes off running out of the house. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. And he takes chase. Yeah. So the three guys like chasing her across, like, and and they're in the middle of nowhere. There's just like open desert and these three guys running after, uh, she comes up on a cliff and, um, you know, you think Richard's, Richard's like, okay, okay. You know, we'll call the helicopter. They'll take you home. Everything will be fine. And she's like, okay. Uh, and he like walks up to her and then just pushes her off the cliff uh, and she falls down and this, um, like a tree branch, like she falls onto a tree branch that like cuts right through her stomach and is like poking out of her stomach. Yeah. Impales her. Yeah. Pretty, pretty gross. Pretty gross. Yeah. 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 It was interesting. So like, it's interesting because Stan is the rapist. So you would think he would be the primary villain, but Richard kind of ends up stepping into that role. Yeah. Um, like, he kind of sees this whole thing as just, like, an inconvenience and, like, a problem he has to fix rather than having any, like, morality or emotional reaction. And so Stan does not want to hurt her, and he's... I don't know. He's, I mean, he's still a horrible douchebag and a rapist, but... He doesn't want to do any more damage, and Richard's just willing to kill her to get, to get this problem to go away. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like after the rape, like Stan suddenly like feels guilty about it, and he like confesses to Richard about it, and then Richard kind of like emerges as like this, you know, a guy who's like, all right, we're just gonna like this is a problem. We're gonna take care of it. I'm just gonna cut her off. Yeah, I don't want to be inconvenienced by this. And we're yeah, go- he's kind of the alpha male of these three dudes. Yeah, and Dimitri's just like this hollow guy. <laughs> Just choose on candy bars. Yeah, he's just a an idiot who does what he's told and 
have yeah. no morals. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so so Richard, like, you know, pushes off the cliff. Uh, she falls. They think she's dead. They can see her body down there. Um, and then uh, they're like, okay, we're going to go back. This, this never happened. We're going to go, uh, you know, go on our hunting trip as planned, and we'll take care of her body, and no one will ever know about this. Um, and Richard, yeah, at this point, is kind of, like, in charge and telling them, like, this is how it's going to work. Uh, so the three of them head out, uh, you know, an hour or two later to go collect the body. And it's interesting. They take three vehicles, which I, I couldn't figure out why they did that. Did that strike you as odd? I think it's probably just so they could all split up and they're like isolated pretty far out in the middle of nowhere. So if one vehicle were to fail, they have backups. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't seem very carbon neutral, but uh, I think you're right. <laughs> Probably easier and, and most efficient to split up and stuff. Although so, Richard does come out later <laughs> as an environmentalist. Yeah, you're right. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's like the one thing he cares about. Turn off the AC. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they go uh, to collect her body. Um, but as they're coming, like uh, there's a scene where she wakes up. She pulls herself off. Well, actually, she wakes up and she's still like, you know, uh, on, on this a tree branch that's like you know coming up through her stomach and uh she reaches down like finds this lighter and lights the branch that she's on on fire and and you're starting to get like a sense of how gross this movie is because at this point like there's blood coming out of her mouth um she's like you know, coughing up blood and like it zooms in on where the branch is like sticking out from her stomach so uh she lights the branch on fire which is pretty extreme and and she falls she falls off of it but she's still walking around with uh this tree limb sticking out of her stomach and she drags herself up and like hides. So by the time they get there, they look down, her body's gone. And they're like, shoot, we got to go find her. So then the rest of the movie becomes them kind of hunting her down to kill her. And, um, you know, she's like running from them and, uh, and, and one by one, like, um, you know, tr- facing off with each of them. So the, in the first sequence, you know, it's gotten nighttime. They're out uh, searching this lake, trying to find her. And uh, Dimitri runs into her. Uh, he's like, um, I think he's like taking a piss and his like gun is sitting by uh, the truck and she like sneaks up behind him. She grabs this uh, gun, but it's not loaded. And he's like, oh, you know, I tricked you into coming and finding me. And he tries to kill her, but then she stabs him in the eye twice with a, a knife that he has while he's trying to drown her. Uh, that, was, that was a pretty cool kill, I, I thought. What, what yeah, you think? it was. And I think it was a, there was a little something deeper there, too, because he was the guy who saw it happening and did nothing and like being the onlooker he got both of his eyes stabbed out oh i didn't even pick up on that good one yeah i mean i don't know if that was intentional but yeah quite possibly it was yeah 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 that makes a lot of sense uh so after killing dimitri uh you know it's still nighttime she grabs his i think he was on like a a small bike or something or was it like a small Tractor? What was yeah, that like thing? a mo- motorcycle, like ATV type thing. Oh yeah, like an ATV. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, and so she takes off, and this whole time she's still got the 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 tree sticking out of her stomach. Uh, so yeah. pre- pretty crazy. That I mean, it's crazy that she survived that, and then too, like she's like ki- she killed a guy with that in her. Yeah, I mean, she just. This is the point where. She kind of like turns into a badass action hero. Yeah. And there's like a pretty cool shot of her like riding this dude's ATV at night with like her hair blown in the wind and this like really badass music playing. Yeah. And she's still got these like really big star like sparkly earrings on. Right. Yeah. It just kind of adds to the like stylisticness of this this scene. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the rest of the movie just kind of like is a crescendo of like her getting more and more badass and, and just yeah. like uh, and and yeah and 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 her fighting these guys. Uh, she reminds me of John McClane, and I'll, we can discuss that more later in our review. From Die Hard? Yeah. Nice. Which one? Part one? Three? Yeah. Eh, all of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so she's on, she's on the state TV. She goes, she finds like a cave to hang out in for the night. Um, in this cave, uh, this is a fun sequence, she find, she pulls out the, the drugs from uh, that, that keychain key she has, uh, and she takes them. And while she's like, you know, doped up and hallucinating, she um, cuts off, she grabs a knife, she like digs into herself to get rid of the, uh, the tree that's like sticking through her. And then she finds like a, a, a beer can 
with like this uh, Mexican beer with a really cool like phoenix on it. And uh, she uses that to, what, like sterilize and like heal her stomach by lighting that on fire and like putting it on her. What, 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 does that work? What's that process called? Um, cauterizing the wound. Oh, does that work? So you, you like burn the tissue so that it fuses together and stops the bleeding. Damn. I don't know how well it works, but I mean, it's a thing. Yeah, damn. That's that's what I should have done with my uh, splinter, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you took the wrong approach. You watched the wrong YouTube video on how to remove a splinter. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the one where you put like a burning metal to your skin. Uh, um, oh, go ahead. There's a there was a scene earlier too where Richard talks about a story about some hiker who took peyote and like cut his own leg off without even feeling it. Oh so, yeah, like, you're right. They insinuated that it had pain-killing properties. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot that he had mentioned that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so, she, so luckily she has that on her, and she's able to do that whole surgery to herself. So you get some pretty gross scenes, but then uh, then when she wakes up, like, she's got this cool phoenix, like, branded on her stomach, and it just, like, it looks pretty sweet. It's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so then she heads out. Meanwhile, like, the other two guys... Uh, they're like still around the lake and they run into one of the guys like washing his face in the water and he finds Dimitri's like body floats up and is like all bloated with water and like, oh shoot, you know, Dimitri's dead. So, uh, they take off now. They're like, you know, she had to go in this direction. So they're they're out there hunting her. Uh, the next battle takes place between Stan, uh, the guy who raped her and, and her. And, And this is a fun sequence where, He's like driving uh, along the mountains. He runs out of gas. He's filling his tank up. She snipes him from a distance. Um, and then I think there's like the shooting back and forth at each other. He like shoots off one of her earrings, uh, which yeah. you know, like blows off Rough. her earlobe. Um, he's chasing after her and she like throws like some broken glass on the ground. And this is where like he steps on it and his foot just gets like jacked up and there's like this five minute scene of him like trying to pull this glass out of his foot, which is really hard to watch. This dude is an incredible actor. All the acting was great. Oh man, <laughs> like the amount of pain like they were uh, expressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, he is. That's really hard to watch. I can't imagine like acting that out for that long. Yeah. Uh, so, the, but then he like jumps back in his car and he's like about to like run or, run her over like on this uh, on this hillside, and she just like shoots him uh, through the head and uh, blows his brains out. But it's kind of like a game of chicken. Like he's driving the car at her and she's standing there risking getting hit to like yeah. shoot through the windshield. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so she takes him out, uh, and then uh, now there's only one guy left, and it's Richard. Um, he like he realizes like all his friends are dead. And he's just like pissed at this point, so he goes back to the house and is showering, and he like calls the helicopter to tell him to come pick him up. And I think he's kind of of the mentality that like at this point, um, you know, she's out here, she's gonna die on her own probably. I'll just get a helicopter and get out of here. Um, there's some good scenes of his butt. I feel like we saw his butt a lot in the shower and then walking around. He was a handsome man. He was pretty well chiseled, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of butt action going on there. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the whole ending sequence, like, he's naked, actually, because he's, like, in the shower, and then, and then he thinks he hears something, he comes out, uh, he's walking around, looking, doesn't see anything, and then uh, he's in his family room, and the TV turns on, and he looks out the window, and she's, like, out there with a the gun, like, on him, and then there's, like, this crazy, you know, like, last 15 minutes of them, like, she, like, shoots him in the stomach, he's, like, bleeding out all over the place, but, like, still running, and they're, like, chasing each other, like, around and around this house, and I, I, it's, it's kind of a crazy uh, scene. And like in the background, this TV's going on the whole time, and it's like Shop Club USA or something. It's like a yeah, big infomercial, it's like a Home Shopping Network type thing. Just like yeah, really loud in the background during this like crazy, tense, <laughs> violent scene. Blood all over the house. Yeah, people like slipping on blood all over. Yeah. What I, I was like, yeah, this symbolism here. I was like trying to figure out what it was, but just like I don't know, mashing consumerism with like what was going on here. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know either. I think there was a point. <laughs> there that, probably was, and we're not smart enough. <laughs> I think that there was a lot of times where um, Richard was contrasted with these like horrible actions he was taking and the terrible person that he was, 
And like, you know, he'd call his wife and be like, hey, I miss you and the kids so much. And he'd call the helicopter guy and be like, oh, no, we just had like a slight inconvenience and we'd love to uh, have you come pick us up. And meanwhile, he's like killing people and covering up rape and et cetera. I, th- I think you're right. I think it was showing like the duality of man, like to be on one hand, like so like materialistic or like, you know, trying to lead like this perfect life and project this perfect image. But on the other hand, like having this really dark you know, kind of irregard for, you know, women or, uh, you know, for, for this character, um, you know, just being like these asshole figures on the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked how they uh, captured the... I feel like she captured well the different roles men can play. And mm-hmm. we'll talk more about it in the review, but, you know, shit like this happens all the time. Yeah. We're hearing more and more about it every day and... There are numerous villains involved aside from the person who does it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of. I guess it's kind of like showing that societal uh, issue of like you know what are all the trends or like what are yeah. these characters that people like align themselves to and that our society has kind of created these monsters. Right, and like the different ways that like the toxic masculinity can rear its head. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, so the, then, you know, it ends with like, uh, you know, he's bleeding out, uh, she's like chasing him around and he like somehow catches her, puts her up against the wall and, and he says, uh, I think this is like, he, he says a quote here, women always have to put up a fight, you know, like he's, he's like yelling at her and he's like about to kill her. And then she like, just like puts her fist into his stomach, uh, the wound that he has and, uh, and then shoots him and he's dead. And I think that's where it ends, right? Or like it ends with her kind of walking out to the pool and the helicopter coming down. Um, yep. But yeah, that's that's the final scene. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean that that's uh, that movie's like quite a ride. I mean it's like an hour and a half or so, and it's just like the yeah crazy nonstop violence going on after like the first twenty minutes. Yep. And I think uh, one thing like visually that I think is important to note. And I think this movie gets some flack for that, is that this woman is basically in a bikini. I don't know if she's in a bikini. I think she's in a bikini, essentially, the whole time mm-hmm. um, as she's fighting back, just because that was what she was wearing at the time. Yeah. Um, and there are... I read, like, one criticism where it's, like, she's objectified in the beginning of the movie when she's raped and then mm-hmm. objectified in the end as she comes back at this like action hero that's like another male fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Which um yeah. I I felt that I could, same I could see that. Yeah, I I, I was kind of thinking that too like it's it's really cool. Like uh, I I love the storyline. I love that like she's out there like you know getting revenge and like the, the way like she kind of becomes this hero the and like takes out like these three people that you like you know come to hate. Um it's awesome. But yeah, at the same time uh I mean, yeah, the, the like the second half of the movie, she's running around. Um, I don't know if it was uh, a bikini or if she was like in a bra, but I, I think it was like the clothes she was wearing under, um, whatever it was when she ran out. Um, oh, that's true, because she had to rip off her shirt to uh, cauterize the wound. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, which I mean, it, it's 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 cool, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting um, because yeah, I feel, I feel like people could look at that in any way. Right, and then, like, there's another sect that would say, like, what's wrong with being strong and sexy? Yeah, exactly. we don't have to demonize the sexiness of her. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like you have to uh, pick one or the other, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I think they're, whatever side you land on, important conversations to have regarding this movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which I think is is a part of this movie. I think think it brings up, like, these kind of conversations, like, you know, how... Like, these men were, I think, I'm assuming, like, pretty well-off and, like, pretty well-respected. You know, the one had a family and, and kids and stuff. But then they had, like, this darker side, which, like, these other two guys just kind of went along with and, and supported. Uh, so I, I think it does bring up, like, it, it really hits on that argument of, yeah, the toxic masculinity and how it can present itself in a very extreme way in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that some people are calling these characters kind of like cardboard cutouts, but I think they were kind of nuanced, actually, because... You had Richard, who was the family man, like with a dark side, who didn't w- want his image tarnished at any cost. Mm-hmm. You had Stan, the rapist, who like at times didn't seem. I mean, 
I want to say didn't seem like a bad guy. That's not true at all. He's a rapist. But sure. it shows that he's not just this like cartoonishly evil person. Like mm-hmm. he has a conscience. He has some sort of standards, but he was a horrible person for a day, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm on risky ground saying that. Like, I feel like our society tends to divide things into, like, you're either purely evil or purely good. Oh. And things are just, like, more nuanced than that. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you're right. Like, society tries to make it black and white, and, like, you know who, like, the good guys are and who the bad guys are. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, I feel like the portrayal of Stan, like, he was kind of portrayed as, like, this coward. Like, um, you know, she, he couldn't, like, you know, respect someone saying no to him. And, you know, I think raping him, raping her was, like, a, a cowardly move on his part. And then even, like, in the following uh, scenes where he, like, he, he, like, stays in the car and he's, like, kind of, you know, uh, not as, he's not, you know, driving the force, like, go out and kill her. I kind of I thought they were portraying him as, like, the soft, like, kind of cowardy guy. But who was obviously capable of like rape? Yeah. Yep. And then there was like Dimitri, this the worthless dude who did whatever his friends told him to do. Yeah, yeah. And it was like didn't care to like turn a blind eye to anything. Yeah. Yep. Until. And <laughs> yeah. I think all those roles are probably very present in a lot of sexual assault, sexual harassment, and the cover-ups of it mm-hmm. that happen every day. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, it, it kind of like it's it's kind of like turns something like rape like it's not a, it's not like one person. It's kind of like this. Uh, yeah, like in this case, you had like three people who were like, you know, taking that traumatic event like they were a part of it pretty much. Yeah, and, and the actors behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I should have content warning to people that it would also be two dudes talking about. Sexuality and sexual assault. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, I know. These are these are some big themes, and, and that, that's like the cool part of this movie. It's it's really tackling something that's very uh, prominent today in in, uh, yeah. in dialogue. Uh, so, how, how did this movie remind you of Die Hard? So, I just feel like, like John McClane, she's not this like super badass action hero who's like almost invincible so she's kind of a flawed character from the Mm get-go she's sleeping with a married man and she kind of is portrayed as like somebody who's just trying to get noticed and Mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that but yeah it's almost implied that she's just like kind of hanging out with this dude because he's somebody and has money sure yep um and john mcclain is kind of a flawed character at the beginning too like i can't remember if they address his like alcohol problems with alcohol in the first one but Mm. it's clear he's not the best family man and his wife is separated from him yep and then like as the movie goes he keeps getting hurt he's not like he's very vulnerable throughout the whole movie yeah like he's a badass even though he's like taking some serious damage as the movie goes he's not just like getting punched in the face and smiling and then kicking somebody's ass oh sure yeah he gets he takes a beating yeah yeah, he's kind of like an everyday dude, but also a badass. Yeah, who's like, because of consequences are turned in, or because of like what happens, he's like forced to take up this role as a badass. Yeah, yep. Totally, I could, I could see that. Um, And, you know, John McClane in Die Hard 1, I was watching it recently, his shirt uh, randomly turns from like white into brown uh, at some point. I, I think it was just an inconsistent uh, thing. Um, in this movie, I feel like the movie started out, she was blonde. And then after the scene where she does drugs in the cave, she's suddenly a brunette. Did you notice this? I think that like, she just like John McClane just got filthier and dirtier and bloodier <laughs> and grimier as the movie went on. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, that, that's always the cool part. Like compare the character, like at the end, like in the final scene versus like the beginning scene, and especially in this one, like in this one, you're fr- you first see her coming out of, uh, a helicopter with like a lollipop in her mouth and like a really short skirt and uh you know blonde and that, that the last scene is like her um you know like all beat up you know with with a gun you know d- dirty brunette kind of hair this is kind of cool yeah. to compare those two images and they also i know in the nightbreed episode we talked about the laughable kind of 90s-ish trope in a movie where the camera would start at a woman's feet and like slowly move up her body yeah yeah 
they did that in the beginning of the movie when she got off the helicopter. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then they did it again later when she's just, like, all banged up and dirty and, like, got bullets slung around her shoulder in this giant gun, like, Rambo mode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was um, very Rambo at the end. Yeah. So you could also say, like, you know, that was, like, a, a way to sexualize her in the beginning and it's also sexualizing her again as this, like, male fantasy female action hero. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, take it as you will. Or it's kind of just saying, look, like, she's just, like, a strong, empowered person now. Like, Yeah. D- yeah, it could be looked at a lot of different ways. Yeah, it really depends on the audience. But, I mean, I think this movie has a lot of crossover. I think, I think people, like look at it and embrace it from all those different angles. Like, uh, yeah, it's like an empowerment yeah. story, but it's also like a cool action figure story. Um, it's it's just got so many interesting angles that I, I think it has something for a lot of different audiences while raising up like a, a interesting conversation. I think that to address that, like, boy, I really feel like walking on broken glass or <laughs> tiptoeing around things. Yeah. That, like, you know, a woman like badass woman like wielding machine gun is like a, another male fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that like I I'm not like a a big person. I don't think violence is right in any circumstance, but like you watch these action movies and you there's like a catharsis and a fantasizing about like picturing yourself mm-hmm. as the like person who's doing the violence but like in the name of good. Like you sure. picture yourself as John McClane when you watch Die Hard. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, but everybody does. Yeah. Like, when I see these women in these roles, I don't think I'm putting, like, a sexual, like, a male fantasy thing on them. I think I'm doing the same thing I do with John McClane, where I'm, like, imagining myself as badass as her. But but I don't know. I felt that way, too. I, I mean, I, I think they, I think that this telling of, like, the director and the way it was shot, that you really kind of feel like you're with her. You're not really, like... Objectifying her as you might, uh, you know, if she was like a another character and like oh, like you know, like a, a, a woman like wearing uh, a bra and like holding a machine gun, like that that feels like so easy to like objectify. But uh, yeah, I, I think in this one you're really like there with her, like you're you f- you feel like she's an extension of you. I think or uh, I, I yeah, think, it's yeah. not like she's like in a bikini holding a machine gun on like a pinup calendar. Like exactly, you're yeah. invested in in her plight at this. point. Point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is which is quite an accomplishment to to do that. Yeah. Did Did you ever see uh, Mad Max? I did. The you mean the new one? Yeah. Yep. With Charlize Theron, I did. Yeah, I kind of had the same feeling in that too, where it's like, um, yeah, you, you know, you, you think like these things are like things you see on posters or something, but instead, it's like it becomes like a very human experience, instead yeah. that that you kind of relate to. Right. Yeah. And and you're kind of rooting for her. Um, yeah. And like, I mean, even like a, you know, John McClane is in a tank top with his muscles bulging out and yeah, like those male characters are kind of sexualized too. Yeah. Rambo, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and so we talked about like the, the soundtrack was really good. Uh, I thought the music throughout was pretty cool. What'd you think? Yeah. I loved the soundtrack. Yeah. It's kind of like daft punky, but a little more rocky as well. Yeah. Yeah. Man, the French do uh, some great music. Uh, yeah, apparently this dude, it's done by a dude named Robin Corday. Mm-hmm. No, Coder, who knows, French. Yeah. Um, C-O-U-D-E-R-T, and he's on the same label as Daft Punk. Oh, cool. Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, and I think Daft Punk is French too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, no, great, great work there. And, and what did you think of the acting overall? I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought she carried the film, like, amazingly. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what, man? I didn't even realize this, but I read it on IMDb. After the 26-minute mark, she has no speaking lines. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. She doesn't... Oh, my God. I didn't even realize that. She didn't... I didn't either, but then when I go back and think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess... she's alone most of the time unless she's... Yeah. Like, in a face-off battle with one of these dudes. Right, yeah. I guess it's just the guys talking amongst themselves, yelling at each other. Um, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, her, her acting, like to, you know, to kind of portray this one character in the beginning and like such a different character at the end and without using words. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, cool. So how many knives in the eyes would you give this one? 
I would give this four knives in the eyes. Damn. It's a it's a really well done movie. I just feel like it's hard to love it. Yeah, yeah. Just due to the nature and the content. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm, I I think I'd be there with you. I'd, I'd give it a four, but uh, in the horror context, well, actually, yeah, you know, was there were like some uh, suspenseful, like pretty uh, scary sequences. I I think I would give it a four too. I was I was gonna say three point five, but I I think you're right. Like really stylishly done, like great soundtrack, uh, good good story, and like a pretty awesome narrative. So yeah, I, I'd go with four as well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, would you say cool. it was scary at all, though? No, not scary. Tense, tense, suspenseful, disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, grotesque. Yeah. Graphic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <There> were graphics. <laughs> yes. Cool. <laughs> any, Take any... away the S, and you can use that word. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Any anything else to add on this one? No, I think. Maybe the only thing I would add is feel free to give us feedback on our feelings about this. Yeah. Um, we know it's sensitive topic, a sensitive topic, and we are two dudes talking about it, which isn't the ideal scenario. But if you want to say something, uh, let us know. Yeah, we'd love to hear other people's perspective on this and th- their take on it. Yeah. Uh, great. Especially the ladies. Yeah, exactly. Especially. Uh, great. Well, that's it for uh, this episode, everyone. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's discussion about revenge. If you want to join the discussion, we encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. Or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. And be sure to check Facebook or Twitter for next week's movie in case you want to watch it before the next episode. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time... Maybe instead of recycling the aluminum cans you have, you might want to save them and keep them in your first aid kit for if you ever need to cauterize yourself. Is that how you say, Brian? <laughs> yeah, and choose a beer with a really badass logo. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, definitely additional points for that. Yeah.